we have some uh, a girl and some guys from uh, Kyo and from ATOs. They have an announcement for you. Hey guys, my name is Bailey Eubanks. I'm from Alpha Omega Fraternity here. Um, thank you. Uh, we, uh, I'm here to announce our annual event, Bed Races. It's benefiting Make-A-Wishes this Friday. Completely free to sign up. You can go to www.baylorato, or not baylorato, baylor.edu backslash student activities. And it literally takes like maybe one or two minutes. Grab five friends and sign up. Um, you're gonna help uh, support um, uh, terminally uh, uh, ill kids and um, it's gonna be a great time. Um, there's prizes involved, um, cash prizes if you win. Um, and it's an all day, fun day event um, with Kyle Omega. So I'll let uh, Krista tell you a little bit about their event, Chili Cook Off. Like I said, I'm Krista, I'm with Kyle Omega. relationship problems, family conflicts, 
about suicide in college students. They've been studying this for uh, several years. Uh, the data's been very consistent. Um, one of the things they found is that 10% of college students uh, have seriously considered suicide in the past 12 years. Um, anywhere from 1.5% to 2% of college students have attempted suicide in the past 12 years. 40% of college students say they know someone who's attempted suicide. 28% know they say they know someone Suicide is the second leading cause of death for college students. The number one cause of death for college students is auto accidents. Those auto accidents typically involve one of two things, alcohol use or sleep deprivation. What about here at Baylor University? Going back to 2006, we participated in a national research study to look at the behavioral thought, the, the, the suicidal thoughts and behavior uh, of Baylor students. We're going to redo this uh, research again starting in uh, January of 2011. But one of the things they found is that about 17.5% of Baylor students said that they had seriously considered suicide at some point in their life. Another of that percentage, about 45 to 5%, said they had attempted suicide at least once in their lifetime. We also know from this uh, research that about 6% of Baylor students say they have seriously considered suicide in the past 12 months. And just like the national average, 1.5% If you look at suicides at, at Baylor University, if you go to 2006, we had two students commit suicide in that school year. We had two students commit suicide in 2009, and we've had two suicides uh, so far in 2010. Now, the reason we tell you this is that we need your help. You know, going back before 2006, going back to 1999 was the first time, was the last time we had a student commit suicide. But tell you this because we need your help to identify students who might be at risk and to give you some tools on how to intervene in your life. You know, nationally and both here at Baylor University, uh, one of the things we know is that people who commit suicide, students who commit suicide, are not getting any type of help. They're not seeing a psychiatrist or a counselor or psychologist. And so we want to increase that number. We want those students to get the help that they need. Let's talk about some of the myths about suicide. The first one is that confronting a suicide about suicide will only make them angry and will increase the risk of suicide. A lot of people believe this. Uh, the truth is, is that by asking some, someone directly in this caring, face-saving kind of way, it lowers their anxiety, it opens up communication, and it uh, decreases the likelihood that they would do something impulsive. You know, one of the things that, that I know is that um, people who are thinking about committing suicide, they really want to tell somebody, they really want to they're looking for someone that's willing to listen, they're looking for someone that can, can handle that conversation. So when we ask directly, okay, we, we open up the door for them to talk. Uh, another myth about suicide is that no one can stop a suicide. It is inevitable. The fact is that people in a crisis can get the help they need. They're probably never going to suicide again. Let me make a few comments here. A um, small percentage of, of, of people who are suicidal may be repeatedly suicidal variety of factors, but the vast majority, if they can get the help that they need, they will never be suicidal again. You know, we like to think of it really as a kind of a, a window. And what happens is, you know, a student has a series of problems. It might be academic problems, relationship problems, financial problems, worried about losing a scholarship, and you have all these problems, and they can't make those problems go away. 
this window, and that window of time is very dangerous because that's when a student can do something impulsive you know, to kill themselves. And so we know, though, that if we can get a student, get anyone to the other side of that window, we know they'll probably never be suicidal again. If we can just get them through that difficult spot, help them solve a few of those problems, they're just going to be just fine. Another myth is that once a person decides to complete, a, uh, complete suicide, there's nothing you can do to stop them. Suicide is the most preventable kind of death. If you think about all the different types of ways that people might die, uh, suicide is the most preventable one. Almost anything that you do, almost any positive action, almost any expression of care and concern will offer hope, and that person will decide to live and not attempt suicide. <clears throat> Those who talk about suicide don't do it. The fact is that people who talk about suicide may try or even complete an act of suicide. This goes along with the next one, that suicidal people keep their plans to themselves. Well, the truth is that most people who are thinking about suicide communicate their plan, their intent, sometime a week or two prior to actually trying to kill themselves. Now, there are a couple of things that I want to make sure that you leave here with today. And this is one of those. And, and that is, I don't believe that anyone shows their ambivalence. They would, they'll take any other option. I really believe that. They'll take any other option that no one really wants to die, no one really wants to kill themselves. I'll give you an example of this. Um, in California, the Golden Gate Bridge there in San Francisco, uh, over the years, many people have committed suicide by jumping from that bridge. Uh, it was a design flaw. Uh, the outer railing was really low. They have since corrected that. But many people jumped from also a number of people who jumped from the bridge and they lived. And they brought all those people together and they did a research study. And they asked them, one of the questions they asked was, what was the first thought that went through your mind when you jumped? And they all said the same thing. The first thought that they had when they jumped was, no, I don't want to die. I want to live. This is a mistake. And it shows the ambivalence. And so I don't believe anyone really wants to suicide is that if I talk to someone about suicide, or I, I, I ask them if they're thinking about suicide, I'm going to put the idea in their head. And the fact is, this just doesn't happen. Research has studied this over and over and over and over again. Okay? By asking someone if they're thinking about suicide, you uh, lower their anxiety, open up their communication, and decrease the likelihood that they'll do something wrong. So let's talk about some of the warning signs. And there are three types. There are verbal, there are uh, behavioral, and there are situational warning signs. Here I have you know, direct statements and indirect statements. I think the direct statements are pretty obvious. I did want to make a comment about the last one, though. And what I hear from students a lot is, if X doesn't happen, I'm going to kill myself. Now think for a second, what is X for a college student? If I don't get an A, you know, if I lose my scholarship, if this person breaks up with me, if I don't get into graduate school. And we take this very seriously. Some of the most serious situations that I've ever seen have been because, you know, something that they wanted to happen, something they wanted to happen, didn't happen. And then there's indirect statements. I'm tired of life, I can't go on, who cares if I'm dead anyway. And these are the types of statements that we have to dig a little deeper and ask a few more questions. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> that last one there, I don't want to be here anymore. I had a student in my office one day, 
and she was really depressed. And she said to me, she said, I just don't want to be here anymore. And I thought to myself, well, I've had students say, I, I don't want to be available anymore. I've heard that. And I've had students certainly say, I, I don't want to be awake anymore. I've heard that as well. But I decided to ask a little bit more. And I said, when you say you don't want to be here anymore, what do you mean by here? And she said, I don't want to be here. I don't want to exist anymore. And she was really talking about suicide. So we have sometimes have to dig a little bit deeper some other warning signs are behavioral. Uh, anyone that's had a previous suicide attempt, buying a gun, stockpiling pills, uh, increasing, uh, increased use of alcohol and drugs, uh, giving away prized possessions. These are usually things of some sentimental value that they share with other people and they, they, they give them away prior to attempting suicide. Putting personal affairs in order. This could be uh, putting finances in order. For some people, this is contacting lots of I've seen this before. They've contacted lots of old friends. Or they've sent letters to lots of old friends as a way of saying goodbye and putting their affairs in order. Feeling hopeless, uh, withdrawing from people, and engaging in kind of reckless and impulsive behavior. I want to make one comment about hopelessness. Of all the symptoms of depression, the one I worry about the most is hopelessness. Because hopelessness is the most common psychological state of someone who commits suicide. It's just this sense that nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to be any worry about something that's been really hopeless. Some situational warning signs. You know, certainly a breakup, major relationship loss, failing class, being suspended, possibly expelled, being a burden to others, not getting accepted into a program that you wanted to be in, the death of a spouse, child care, or friend especially if that's by suicide. Let's talk a minute about depression. Up to 25% of all Americans experience an episode of clinical depression. Depression is the number one cause of suicide. Approximately two-thirds of people who commit suicide were depressed at the time. And one of the things I want you to hear me say is that uh, depression is something that's very treatable. I think of all the things that we, the mental health profession, the psychologists that we try to help people with, depression is one that we have pretty good success with. You know, somewhere between 70, 70 and 80 percent of the time, you know, we're able to have some effective treatment, especially if it's
they won't they don't want to tell anyone because they're afraid of being judged. So we want to be sensitive to those around us who might be judged. Alright, so what do you do? Say you have a friend, uh, say you have a roommate uh, who has these symptoms of depression. Maybe you've seen some of these other warning signs. Uh, maybe you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, gosh, you know, so-and-so has done this or they've done that. What do you do? Well, I'm going to show you what to do. Give you three steps to take. Uh, it comes from a program called QPR. And it stands for Question, Persuade, and Refer. So let's look at the first one. The first thing you want to do is you want to ask a question. You want to take a moment. You want to think to yourself, why am I Someone that's depressed, someone that's 
when I was thinking about suicide, it probably feel pretty hopeless, like I mentioned before. It probably feel like nothing's going to change, nothing's going to make a difference, nothing's going to work. And so you have to get more involved. You may have to just, hey, let's walk with me over the council. Let's just go over there today and just walk over with them. Walk over the spiritual life. The second best referral is to get a commitment from the person to stay safe and accept help and then make arrangements to get that help. Right? Either calling someone or making arrangements for an appointment here the next day. So who do you call for help? You can call the Baylor Counseling Center. Here's our number. Again, we're on the second floor of the Student Life Center. We also have uh, an on-call service or a crisis phone, if you will. Uh, we're available 24-7. So after 5 o'clock, we have two people that are on call. And that's what we do. That's why we're here. This is uh, what we do on this campus. We, we love working with students. And so if you need to call us, if it was a crisis, you can reach us this way. You can call the Office of Spiritual Life. Uh, or you can go by the Boba Center and talk to someone there. But at the end of the day, make sure you tell someone. You tell a professor. Tell a staff member. Community leader. Someone in the, in the Success Center, Baylor Police, tell someone and let them know that you're concerned. If someone's in immediate danger, meaning that they've already injured themselves, maybe they've taken an overdose, no matter how, how much amount you think it might be, um, uh, if they have a weapon, they're threatening to use it, they're standing on top of a, a bridge, an open stairway, or a parking garage, in those situations, you can call 911 immediately. Don't call the counseling center or the spiritual Every second matters in this situation. And the thing that I want you to remember is this, is that almost all efforts to persuade someone to live instead of attempt suicide are met with agreement and relief. Remember that a person who's thinking about suicide, they want to talk about it. They want to talk about it. They're ambivalent. And if you'll engage them, that will be met with agreement and relief. But don't hesitate to get involved. Thank you so much for listening today. If you would go ahead and go ahead and stand and pray for us. So Father, we thank you. Uh, I thank you for every student that's here this morning. Um, and I thank you for every Baylor student. And Lord, I just ask that for those students who, um, even this morning, are feeling a sense of hopelessness, um, even having some thoughts of suicide, feeling depressed, Lord, I just pray, Lord, spirit of hope, um, if there is hope, I pray that you'd help all of us to be sensitive and 